Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. We are a blessed people, and we're a blessed nation. I'm sorry I didn't give you the proper introduction like good morning, but when you mention his name, it just changes your, 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 your way of thinking. And how can we talk about the wonderful name of Jesus and shout good morning without just thinking for a moment how wonderful his name is? Amen? I think about our, our great nation that we live in. No, 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 not, 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 not a perfect nation, but a great nation that we live in. Uh, I think about the great men that went before us, and I wanted to reflect Interesting, I'm not a historian, but I love history. And I don't know if you know it, but there was 56 men in the Continental Congress that signed the Declaration of Independence. And what you see and get to experience in part of what they set apart to do in that declaration and what they agreed upon, we get to experience in a great place that we call home. Amen? Men like Button Gwinnett. Men like Lyman Hall. Not too far from here. Men like George Walton. Men like Ben Franklin that set apart to to have a document to preserve a people and to preserve a nation under God so that you and I could experience what we are grateful this morning to experience in a local church and to continue to tell the story that those men believed and the Bible teaches that all men have a creator. If you really wanted to honor your country and you were grateful and patriotic, oh, by the way, that document was signed on. Do you know when it was signed? The majority of men signed that Declaration of Independence, not on July the 4th, but on July the 2nd. It's interesting. Ben Franklin, one of the men that was part of that Continental Congress, said this. He said, man will ultimately be governed by God or tyrants. I want you to let that sink in for just a moment. And when you look across the landscape of a great people that I believe God is richly blessed, I I think we're probably about one generation away from a people that have very little knowledge of God. I said a people. I didn't say God was going to vanish. But for some reason in our Western world, Christianity, I think we think God owes us a big favor. And any decent student of Bible prophecy, you don't even have to be good to get this one right. 
any decent student of Bible prophecy, please explain to me why you never, you, you never as a whole see our, our nation mentioned anywhere in Bible prophecy. Do you know that sin is a reproach to any nation, including the United States of America? God warns us and gives us woes that, hey, be careful when men call evil good and they call good evil. And in the midst of a cancel culture, you can no longer, well, hold on, some, I will. I would gloriously die in the face of opposition that said, Greg, if you tell anybody else the truth of God's word and you tell them that when they pursue their own ways, listen, in the name of what, equality? I, I don't know. What has drove our nation to the madness that we're in, but we've absolutely come close to pandemonium in our own country. We're on a national stage, we'll talk about things and, and, and presidents will give their time to things that have no value whatsoever and God clearly calls those things a sin and listen, righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach to any people in any party. It does not matter what your opinion. You hear me? Sin is a reproach to any nation and we are no exception. And no way in the United States of America can we sin openly against God and it not bring judgment on our nation. You can't cancel that. Things that when you tell people are clearly wrong in the word of God is now hate speech. Some spineless preachers in an effort to reach on both sides of the aisle will not even call sin, sin anymore because I've got to reach both sides. If God says it's off limits, it's off limits, period. And some of the foolishness that I'm off, I'm, I'm off, but some of the foolishness that's being debated right now, God hates. And if God condoned it, genius, you would be extinct. Now just think about that for a moment and imagine what I'm talking about. You would be extinct. And we have educated, foolish men that will debate whether, now should we love? Well, of course we should love. Are, they, are, are all people welcome here? Of course. But if you're living in sin openly, I'm not going to say you're okay. You're in endangerment of judgment. doesn't matter who you are. Listen to me. One generation. The Old Testament reveals that after the death of Joshua, there arose another generation. We're close. But I honestly believe in this church and other churches across our country that there is a remnant of people who will declare the truth and the goodness and the glory of our God. Listen to me. Listen. There is a generation that has yet to be born that needs you to stand on truth more than ever before. Don't back down. Don't back down. Don't let up. Let this book be your guide. 
You want to, you, Greg, what do you think? It does, it's irrelevant what I think. What does the Bible teach? And yes, I did say that. There is spineless men and women who no longer care what this says. As long as their talk is good. Talk. The Bible says preach the word boldly. Be instant in season and out of season. I'm not much of a talker if you hadn't figured that out. So how does that lead us to Nehemiah? Well, it leads us to Nehemiah because we have had a pastor that's led us verse by verse in Nehemiah. And I'm grateful to be in chapter seven this morning. I got a little worked up on the introduction, but I'm really concerned about where we're heading. And if no one else, I want my daughter, where's Sarah Grace at? If you don't care, I want my daughter to know that my dad preached truth in the midst of opposition when they were applauding and when they were nodding their head in disapproval. My dad said what God says really matters because I believe that God will use her and Nora to be a hope for another generation. Nehemiah rebuilt the walls because, listen, Jerusalem wasn't to exist to just be a walled fortress. That was not the purpose. Jerusalem was to be a place to where God's glory could be declared from and where they could be a beacon of hope to all nations. And this church, his church, is even to be a beacon of hope in a dying world. Amen? So we're going to talk about Nehemiah today. I got a pivotal chapter, literally, literally pivotal. I mean, there's like 60 verses of names. We're going to read all of them. If you think that's hard, you ought to study and teach out of this chapter. No, we're not going to read 60 verses of names. But what I do want you to know that God records all those names because they matter. Now, it may only matter to God and their mama, but it matters. I'm trying to lighten up a little bit. I jumped off pretty deep. I'm like, you ever go swimming? Well, never mind. Um, but Nehemiah was a sturdy, single-hearted Hebrew to the Hebrew people. He was a sturdy, single-hearted hero to the Hebrew people. I thought about some of the heroes that went before us here. Uh, some of them, you may have never heard their name before, but you will this morning. I think about heroes like William Floyd Tanner, a man in 1892 who probably knew the value of hard work. In 1892, a man named William Floyd Tanner decided, I'm going to donate a piece of property for Chestnut Mountain Church. And some of you wrestle, maybe wrestling's a more appropriate word, and you wrestle about giving. Here's a man in 1892 that gave a piece of property that I, I'm sure was very valuable at that time. And he gave it because maybe he's seen men and women and boys and girls like you in this room. Maybe in a prayer time, God said, give me what you have and I'll use it. I, I believe William Floyd Tanner 
If he knew the Lord Jesus Christ, and I don't, I don't say that flippantly, like he's not going to get in because he gave a piece of land to the church. He's going to get into heaven if he had a life-changing, born-again relationship with Jesus. That's the, only, that's the only way any of us get in. But if he's in, if he did place his faith in Christ, part of what we're seeing today will be accredited to him one day. Because it really matters how you run the race. William Floyd Tanner, 1892. I think about in the 1980s, I think about 200 members in a building to your left and my right that decided, and some of those members were in here. They're probably in here this morning. And you know the story of when you decided to purchase land that, that you didn't need at that time. But you had enough faith in that time to say, God's doing something and we have a need next door and an opportunity. We're going to purchase that land. We don't need it, but we're going to purchase it. Anybody in this room that was here in the 80s when you did that? I think June and Lawrence Chris was, and I may have missed, if you raised your hand, I didn't acknowledge you, but men and women who gave generously. I think about men, the stories I heard. Now listen, if I get some of these stories wrong, go see Tim Tipton. He's our resident pastor and historian. And if I got it wrong, I misquoted what he told me probably. But in the 90s, next door over in the chapel, there was men in the 20s and 30s that met on Saturday. Little did I know until I heard the stories, I was mentored by one of those men. Men who met on Saturdays at 10 p.m. and prayed until... That's a popular time to pray, Saturday at 10 p.m. And you'll be home when? And those men would gather in that room and face down and ask God to send and save people to this place. I believe God is saving people in this place according to their testimony, amen? But I wonder if those men in the 90s like Tim Strickland, I wonder if they really knew that when he invited me, Greg, I want you to come meet me at the church on Fridays at 10 and I want you to pray and I want to teach you how to pray and you get on your face with a few other men and we're going to beg God to do something in our community. And do you know that as a result of Tim Strickland's influence on me, because he was influenced by three other men in a chapel building in the 1990s, don't tell me it don't matter how you run the race. It does. I think about maybe six years ago, about 20 kids downstairs. You walk down there this morning, if you looked in the two hours, you'd see well over 200 kids on campus today. On July the 4th, the holiday weekend, 100 students, over 100 students and volunteers gathered this morning on a holiday. Six years ago, maybe total combined on campus, a gracious number would be about 300. I think about young pastors and elders like Brandon Bridge Farmer and Brandon Sloan and Jared Cagle. And I think about men maybe six years ago and some of our elder body that gathered together and said, we're without a pastor, but we can teach Ephesians. And so they go verse by verse for months through the book of Ephesians. I don't know that they knew that what they did then by making their life count for God and being faithful in the small things and teaching his word would influence and shape a church even until this morning to where we are distinctly different on teaching verse by verse. So if you love topical sermons, this is probably not your best choice. 
because everything pertaining, nobody's ever told you this, but everything pertaining to life and godliness is not found in some person's imagination. It's found right here. Verse by verse. Well, I can't believe he said that. I graciously will not respond. So it gets us to our text. If you're verse by verse, Greg, let's go. Wow, I've got 13 minutes left. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything to you, but it means a lot to me because I think I can get through in 13 minutes. I didn't fare so well in the first service, in case you wondered. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 1. You ever just laugh at yourself? If you don't laugh at yourself, you take yourself way too seriously. When the wall had been rebuilt, I had the doors installed and the gatekeepers and singers and Levites were appointed. I told you it's a pivotal chapter. Literally, it is. First six, the wall's built. I get the pivot chapter. And then Pastor Brian or someone, Pastor Lucky, next week will get to preach out of chapter eight. But what I want to tell you is this, that when the walls were built, Nehemiah appointed people. And listen, every one of you, if you're a blood-bought, born-again follower of Jesus Christ, there is an appointed place for you to serve in your local church. And if you ain't serving, you out of place. Well, I don't want to keep the gate. I, I don't want to carry articles to the temple. I don't want to do the little stuff. Like I, I want to, I want to get up front and sing. I want Pastor Brandon and John. Like I want to sing. I have the gift of music. Like if you'll turn the lights on, I'm in. Well, if you ain't in when the lights off, you ain't in. But every person has an appointed place. And do you know that God has appointed people all throughout this body to take a place? Amen. Worship really matters to God. And all of these people were in their perspective places, whether they were gatekeepers, singers, and Levites. And in chapter 12, you're going to find out that they, these were some special people. You'll hear more about them in chapter 12. But listen, what I want you to know is they had an assigned place and they took it. I want to ask you something. Have you ever been assigned an opportunity and you've overlooked it? I have. I think maybe for some people, maybe in their 20s or maybe in their 50s, I don't know what the magic or median age is, but here's what I want to tell you. If God's assigned you to do something and he's called you and he's set you apart, which if you're a believer, he has. We're all ministers of reconciliation. We all are. And if he's assigned us to something, it's a yes or no to the king. Probably in this room, maybe some people have been assigned to some duty and you've just, you've just, you've just pushed it away. Just pushed it away. I just want you to know this in love. King 
has ultimate authority. And it is an egregious thing to neglect the authority of a king. Take your place. If God has assigned you, step into what he's asked you to do. Fair enough? Boy, he sure is over there. Now you, now I'm going to graciously recall that comment. I just want you to step in to the truth that God's called you. And I was fixing to make a reply to myself, but I'm not going to. Jerusalem was to be a beacon of hope and a light to the world. And you are a royal priesthood. And we are to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the parallel in the story is, is Jerusalem had a purpose of, of letting the glory and goodness of God depart from through, throughout the whole region. And so do us, or so do we as followers of Jesus Christ, we have a duty. Some may sing, some may keep, take care of the wall, some may build a gate. But whatever it is that God's assigned you to do, do it. In Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 2, in this pivotal chapter, then I put my brother Hanani in charge of Jerusalem along with Hananiah, a commander of the fortress. I put my brother along with Hananiah, the commander of the fortress, because he was a faithful man who feared God more than most. Wouldn't it be an honor and a privilege to die and someone put on your tombstone? He or she was a faithful man and they feared God more than most. Well, you say, well, Greg, what, do you, what does it mean to fear God? Well, I'm so glad you asked. He was a faithful man who feared God more than most. Here, here's how you, here's what I want you to know. That when God begins a work, you work in his work. You don't begin a work and ask God to come work in your work. Let me say that to all young church planners. When, when you are working with God, you go work in his work. You don't start a work and invite God to come to do your work. And in this case, God had begun from eternity past. He knew what was going to happen. And Nehemiah, God put it in his heart to ask about Jerusalem. And when, it, when, when, when it, God put it in his heart and he asked and he became burdened because the city was an embarrassment that had no walls, God put it in his heart to rebuild a wall. You understand, God, I mean, Nehemiah didn't become a Hebrew to the he didn't become a hero to the Hebrew people because he wanted to build a wall. You understand that, right? But God was working and Nehemiah joined his work. And so that's the invitation for you and I today. And it was obviously the story of Hanai and Hananiah that they were faithful and they feared God more than most. And so if you're in the room today and you want to know how to continue in his work, I'm going to give you three simple takeaways to continue in his work. You ready? This is real deep. Be faithful in the itty-bitty things. <laughs> Look what the Bible says in, in Luke chapter 16, verse 
Luke chapter 16, verse 10, who is faithful in the big things that everybody can see. No, 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 no. The little things. Like when no one else is around and you get up on a Tuesday morning and the first thing you think about is, God, this is the day that you've made. I don't, I just want, God, please, please speak to me. I told Pastor Brandon this morning, I said, it's a great privilege when, when, when you, like for the, it's not like this all the time, but I'm in the season now where I grabbed God's word and it brings me back to a 19 year old boy that I just said, God, I want to know you. Please show me something about you and your word. And I'll sit down and I'll read like yesterday in Acts chapter seven and read that Stephen was a man of full of faith and power and think, oh God, could I be known as a man of full of faith and power? This word's alive. I never read it, never held it, never understood it till I was born again. I'll tell you one of the most authentic ways that you'll know if you're a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. You'll have a hunger for this. If you do not hunger for the word of God and have a desire to know God, it's because quite possibly you don't know God. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. It'd be impossible for the spirit of God living and residing inside of you not to give you a desire to hear this word. You hear me? What I do to be used of God, you be faithful in the small things when the lights are off. If you're going to hear well done, you remember that he was faithful over a few things. If he, if he was faithful in a few things, Matthew 25, 21 says that he will hear well done, thy good and faithful servant. So in other words, if you sign up, show up. Well, is he talking about VBS? I don't know. If you signed up, did you show up? That's the little things that matter. Well, I can't believe he said that. Well, if you throw a rock at a dog, the only one that barks is the one that got hit. Be faithful in the little things. Bob Jones says the greatest ability is dependability. I don't have any friends that ride in my truck that leave shopping carts in the middle of aisles. You want to guess why? Because if you ride in my truck and we get out and you don't know where to put the shopping cart when you complete it, I will graciously enlighten you on the simple principle of do the little things right. Put the cart back where it belongs. Well, that doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't unless we're told to let our light so shine before men that they'll see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Then if that's the case, the little things really do matter. Your conversation around the break room, your conversation in the locker room, 
Be faithful in all little things. Be faithful. Be faithful in the little things. D.L. Moody said, it's easy for a man to be too big for God to use. But God can always use a man that thinks of himself small and does the small things. Don't you be entitled. Be faithful in the little things. Do what you're responsible for. If you've been called to preach, you're responsible to preach, sir. Period. Some of you in this room, God's set you apart, God's called you, God's equipped you, and you're sitting on a hard maybe to a king. Pause my mind. Some of you have been called into missions. We're all ambassadors. We're all ministers of reconciliation, but you're sitting on a hard maybe. Be faithful. And just a little nugget from C.H. Spurgeon that delayed obedience is disobedience. They were faithful men. They feared God more than most. I'm going to give you some verses that you can take home. I just looked up 47 seconds. Told you I was going to land the plane. Nobody holds me to a time either. I just, I entertain myself because I know how short my attention span is. And if I would have talked as long as I've talked right now, I'd already be off. I'd be scribbling somewhere. Um, so the only person holding themselves to a time is me. Um, Proverbs 9, 10 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. These men were faithful and they feared God. There's no fear of God in our country right now. David cried out in Psalms. Oh, Craig, I can't believe David said it. God, help for the godly man ceases to be. That's what David cried out. And so I encourage you to be faithful if you want to be used of God and you want to continue working in his work and discover purpose and discover God's will. If that's really the desire of your heart, be faithful in the small things and fear God. Amen? And you be watchful. Here's some more on fearing God. I'm not going back there, but I want you to reflect on these. Did I tell you if you really want to do a great service to your country that you love so much, give the Declaration of Independence a read because you're going to hear some God-fearing statements there. And so Proverbs 9, 10, Psalms 2, 11, Psalms 25, 12, Psalms 1, 12, 1, Psalms 33, 18, Psalms 86, 11. I'm not going through there, but I'm just saying maybe if you're on the verge of wanting to know God's will, Maybe you can learn more about fearing God. Not what I've said, but what God's word says. And then Nehemiah chapter seven, verse three. Well, I can't believe, Greg, that you didn't read all of those verses. Well, I just told you it was a pivotal chapter. And most of it is about the people recorded. But here's, here's something hidden in verse three that I thought so important to us today as we land the plane. 
And I said to them, those men who were faithful and feared God, I said to them, don't open the gates of Jerusalem until the sun is hot and let the doors be shut and securely fastened while the guards are on duty. Station citizens of Jerusalem as guards, some at their post and some at their homes. Because the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it and no houses had yet been built. But God put it on my mind to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the people to be registered. And so this is what happened. The walls are built. Nehemiah's called people. Some people are gatekeepers. Some are singers. Some are Levites. And then he said, I told them to stand guard. And what I would tell you today is this, that in this church and this day, God has done some amazing things. Amazing. What Pastor Brendan said, like life change, the miracle of life change should never get old. And, and listen, one moment, if you think for one moment any person here has anything to do with what God's doing, you are sadly mistaken. God can remove his power and his Holy Spirit from this place, and you can put Ichabod on the door. If the glory departs, it departs. And know this, that after seasons of great victories, when you have the greatest temptation, know this, that just as this city, when God had set it apart to do great things, listen, when it got rebuilt and these walls were rebuilt and worship was getting rebuilt, some of you remember things being rebuilt around here? Well, they, they're, they're getting rebuilt, but listen, you be watchful because anything worth having that God set apart, the enemy's gonna come for. He's coming. This is what I want to tell you about the little minion. He's defeated, and the Lord Jesus Christ has made a public spectacle of him on the cross. I'm going to mention him, but I don't like giving any glory to him. He is defeated. I could kick a hole right down, but I'm not going to. He's defeated, and he's a poser, and he feeds you lies, and you believe he's much more powerful than he is. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God resides in you, the only thing he can take from you is what you open the gate and offer. Because he that is within, the, he that is within you, a believer, he that is within you is greater than him that is in the world. So before I mention the loser's name, I just want you to know he is defeated and he has been made a fool of on the cross. But hear me, he's patient. He'll wait for you and you and you an entire lifetime for one victory. He's much more watchful than most of you in this room. He prowls around looking for you probably more than you pick up the source of truth. And when you take a day off, he never takes a day off. Be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, the defeated one who was made a public spectacle of. You be sober, you be vigilant, you stand guard, you guard your home, you guard your heart because out of it flows all the issues of life. Because your adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whomever he may devour. He don't play games.
you stand guard. Sir, if you're a dad in here, will you look at me just a second? Guard your home. He doesn't just want you. He wants your entire family and he wants an entire generation. Some of you are seeking and pursuing things right now that if you get what you want, you're not going to want what you get. You hear me? Some of you are sending messages, you're sending comments, you're, you're, you're going somewhere you shouldn't be going. You be careful. There's an adversary that looks for you every day. You don't believe me, read Job. Job gives an account of this accuser and what he was doing, and he's well open about what he's doing every day. Like I'm going back and forth, I'm just looking, I'm just looking. Look at, you're like, I'm never gonna fail. Like, I'm just, like, just, Dude, your sight's like he's already locked in on you. It's just a matter of when the missile's going to release. Guard your home. Guard your heart. Put your stupid phone down. If you're staring at pornography, confess it, repent, get rid of I mean, it. Just don't do it anymore. Like, I mean, I'm in this deep. I might as well just say it. <laughs> the biggest hindrance to every man in this room it's a sin of pornography that's so willingly open on that phone. That's why you look the way you look and talk the way you talk. And women, guard your home. Guard your heart. Sarah Grace and I was walking in a park yesterday. She looked at me like a scared puppy. I looked at her, I was scared. And you say, why are you sitting here? Because that's the way I like to teach and I'm landing the plane so I can sit wherever I want. I'm sitting right here. Sarah Grace and I were, were walking and we heard cursing and profanity. Am I telling the truth? Cursing and profanity. And we seen this little girl walking and, and, and she hears the cursing and profanity and she freezes up. She freezes up because of the same reason that many of us in this room freeze up because you know when shouting and things start getting slammed and cussing, then you know that like, that's when tennis shoes go up beside faces and you see brothers and siblings and you, you just see stuff you shouldn't see, okay? Let's leave it there. Some of you in here have seen that. What I want you to know, if you're a mom or dad and you're participating in that, God wants your whole family and he wants, I mean, the enemy wants your whole family and he wants a whole generation of people. And the enemy celebrated yesterday when that little girl paused in fear. Oh, I hope they stay just a few more days. And I pray God would give me an open door to walk up and say, Mom, Dad, God created you for more than this. And you're welcome to ask me. If they stay there and God gives me an open door, I'm going there. What do you do? You be faithful. You fear God. And you be watchful. That's how you can make much of God. Amen? So we're going to land the plane on, on this note. You be faithful, you be watchful, and you be fearful. There was a group of missionaries. They were called the one-way missionaries. And in this group was a man named A.W. Milne. 
And around the 20th century, he was part of a group called Radical Missionaries. They were dubbed Radical Missionaries. And what these men and women of God did was they packed all their belongings in a coffin. They would buy a one-way ticket of transportation to wherever they felt called to go. In many parts of Africa and other places around the world in those days, and many years after, was known as the white man's graveyard. These men and women of God knew they would never return home when they decided to go on the mission field. And as for Milne, he knew that most of the missionaries before him died a martyr's death. Still, he accepted the call of God to minister to a tribe in New Hebrides, an island group in the South Pacific Ocean that is now a nation. He lived there for 35 years. God's timing and favor had given him a breakthrough among these people, and there he enjoyed favor. But Milne would never return home. After many years of fruitful and faithful labor for the Lord, he passed and was buried in the middle of the town. The inscription on his tombstone could not have been more clear. When he came here, there was no light. But when he left here, there was no darkness. I believe when Nehemiah came to these hurting, broken Hebrew people that were exiled and wanted to come home, it was probably said of Nehemiah, when he came, there was little light. But when he left, there was little darkness. Therefore, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I encountered a man some years ago who sat at his desk. I can't tell you the profanities that he used. But in PG version, he knew I was a Christ follower. He knew I was sharing the gospel. And he said, Greg, you are a worthless human being. I cannot believe that you would waste your life telling someone about Jesus. And he was sitting five rows back on my left in the earlier service, nodding his head. I believe an evidence of a transformed life. Make your life count for something. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel 
So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.